Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We continue in our series on crossroads. These moments in life where we find ourselves at a bit of an impasse, where we must make a decision to go that way or that way. Do you find yourself at crossroads very often? I think we all would admit that there are many crossroads we find in life and that not all crossroads are created equal. How many of you made the decision to have one type of breakfast or another this morning? And how many of you actually remember what you picked? I'm not so sure that we always consider the crossroads of our life. How many of you decided whether to go one way or another to get to church tonight? We won't remember these crossroads in another day or so. But let me, let me put it this way. Uh, men, how many of you who are uh, married or uh, who have been in relationships remember the crossroad at which the very first time that you approached and talked to the girl that you liked or you decided not to do that? That's a pretty big crossroad. Do you remember those crossroads? Those moments in life where you decided to either take that first step forward towards the person you admired or to plant your feet firmly and say, now's not the time. Or, or women, maybe this is a, a question for those of you who are, who are blessed to be mothers. Do you remember a crossroad in your life where you decided whether or not to go to work or to stay at home with your child? It's a crossroad that many women face. And it's a crossroad that I can't imagine having to face. It's a challenge that we are often confronted with, these crossroad moments. And many of us remember big ones. Not all of us remember the little ones, but the big ones in life, those are the things we think about a lot when we reflect on the memories that constitute our life. We remember big moments, big decisions, big crossroad moments in our lives. And I would contend that this crossroad moment that we're talking about tonight was one of the very greatest crossroads, not just in the lives of the people involved, but in all of human history. Tonight's crossroad that we're talking about is the crossroad between betrayal and faithfulness. And we're going to talk about Judas tonight. We're going to talk about Judas whose very name might produce in you a little bit of heartburn, whose very image might create in you a little bit of mild nausea. Judas is not a character that we mention very often in this hallowed place. We don't like talking about Judas. We don't like to even bring his name up because we consider him to be perhaps the most cursed and, and ill-fortuned person in all of human history. When you consider Judas, the very thought of him is one that brings very negative emotions because your Savior, your Lord, your friend Jesus was betrayed at the hands of this man, this Judas. And so why in the world would you want to talk about him except around this time of year when he pops up in the words of the Scripture? Of all of the twelve disciples— we don't like to think about Judas. 
When we're in the middle of Pentecost and we say, and Jesus went with the twelve across the, the sea to go to this town or that town to, to proclaim good news, to heal the sick, to, to call out demons, do you really think in your mind about Judas? That he's right there walking with Jesus, talking with Jesus, learning from Jesus, being tended to by Jesus right alongside Peter, James, John. Do you really think about Judas? But he's right there the whole time, receiving from his Lord and Savior the same grace, the same mercy, the same good word of gospel that you and I receive all the time. If you want to talk about a person who was judged on one instance in his life, I I would challenge you to think of someone who had that happen to them more than this Judas character. We don't receive a whole lot of lines in the Bible about Judas, but what we do receive are, he betrayed the Savior of all mankind, he was in charge of the money bags, and he stole from them. Oh, of course he's a bad guy. Of course he was going to betray Jesus. Look, he was skimming off the top. You can see it in his actions right from the very beginning. And yes, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to advocate for Judas here. He betrayed the Son of God. He was not a good dude. But is he really all that different from you and me? We may not have skimmed money off the top, but we've certainly done things to receive the ire of those around us in our lives. We are sinners. And we may not have betrayed the Son of Man over to those who hated him to have him killed, but have we, can we truly say about ourselves that we've been completely faithful to Jesus Christ, our, our Lord and our Savior? Can we truly say that we are, we are blameless when we hold ourselves in regard to Judas standing beside us? I, I don't think I can do that. I don't think I can stand up here and say, well, Judas, he's down there. He's a bad guy. He did the, the worst thing you can possibly do. But I'm, you know, I haven't done that, so I'm okay. And, and so when we take Judas into account, we need to be careful because Judas is not that much different than us. He simply walked further down a path of destruction than you and I have walked. Not of our own accord, but because God has spared us from walking that far down that destructive path. When we arrive at those crossroad moments in our life where we choose to be faithful to the God who created us, who sustains us, who saved us, or to betray Him, we actually don't look that good. When you find all of those tallies of betrayal on this side and faithfulness on this side— This list is a whole lot longer than this one. It's a whole lot longer. And that is why we approach these crossroads not out of haughtiness to say, that Judas, he's trash, but to say, he's the same in every way as I, except Satan took him further down that destructive path than God has allowed me to be taken. And God used Judas's destructive path for your good. God used Judas's betrayal 
to accomplish for you and for me the greatest good ever given. He used Judas's betrayal and downfall to produce for you and for me, through his ultimate faithfulness, the good of the salvation of all mankind. If you want to use that verse that God uses all things to the good of those who love him, this is a good context to use it. To say God took this worst possible thing you can imagine, the utter betrayal unto death of his beloved son, and through that low of lows, that ultimate downfall of the human nature, God has produced a, an abundant fruit of life for his beloved children. And it's all because of his faithfulness to us. We admit when we arrive at these crossroad moments, where we, when we come to these moments of consideration of whether we will be faithful towards God or whether or not we will betray Him and be disloyal to Him in our own self-interest, it's important that we look at ourselves honestly to admit we are not able to be faithful in the slightest. We don't have the ability within us as sinful people to come before our Lord and be loyal to Him at all. Because we are spiritually blind to what God is trying to do in this world. We are spiritually dead in our sinful hearts. And we, in fact, are enemies of God. And the way we live our lives and the way we treat His children in this world. That's the reality. The reality is we come to these crossroad moments bringing nothing of worth or value to them whatsoever. And that's the hard reality. But it's also the only truth and the only reality that brings us to our knees before an almighty God in repentance. And when we find ourselves in that humble posture yearning for our Lord to pull us up from the depths of betrayal that our hearts perpetrate against him at every crossroads, we find his faithfulness is bigger than it all. His faithfulness is more grand than every betrayal of all human history. His faithfulness for you overcomes every betrayal from Adam and Eve in the garden betraying God by eating of the fruit to the last betrayal ever committed by human hearts and hands. Every one of them has been covered up by the awesome faithfulness of our God. And the ultimate showing of his faithfulness is that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were absolute in our betrayal of him and we held him in little regard whatsoever in our sinful hearts, when we were still enemies of God, Jesus laid down his life as a ransom for ours. That is what faithfulness is, to be loyal even when the opposite person does not do anything to deserve it. It should be easy to be loyal to someone who is good, someone who you love. But then we have the example of Judas coming to Jesus with a kiss of betrayal. 
We have you and me looking at the one whom God has given us to love in this life or the neighbor who he's put right next to us, and we regard them and we betray them with our actions, with our words, and with our thoughts. And we betray God with how we conduct ourselves every day. But his faithfulness through Jesus Christ is bigger than it all. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, we give you thanks and praise that you have been faithful to us. That you have been faithful to us even to death. Death upon a cross. We pray, O God, that as we approach these crossroads every day, that you would help to call us to greater faithfulness as disciples of Christ. To seek to imitate his faithfulness. Not by elevating ourselves, but by making ourselves low and the servant of others. God, I thank you for your abundant faithfulness, which has covered the sinful betrayal of all human hearts. We pray, O God, that you would bring your salvation work to completion as we approach the cross on Good Friday, as we see the resurrection on Easter Sunday, and that it would be the fulfillment of all things when you come again in your glory. And until that day, we pray that your faithfulness would be abundant among us. In your name we pray. Amen.